Welcome back in everybody to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so honored to have our guest on today. We have a fabulous artist joining us. Today we have the executive producer and co-screenwriter Peter Andrews, who is behind the upcoming film, The Importance of Being Earnest. And of course, we all know this story. We've seen the play. There's been several iterations, but this particular production of it is unlike any of the others. And so we're so excited to have Peter joining us to tell us about it. So why don't we go ahead and welcome on our guest today, Peter Andrews. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I'm delighted. Thank you. I yeah. am so happy you're here. We've been talking. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. I could hear all of all of just everything that you have to share. It's incredible. I want to start by, you know, you we've got this great Oscar Wilde show, The Importance of Being Earnest. And, you know, we've we've mentioned that everyone kind of knows the story of it. But you've got this new film coming up that's premiering at several film festivals this fall. Can you tell us a bit about your particular production, this particular iteration of it? Well, here's the great story about this picture. Well, the great story. The, the true story is, first, of all, it was filmed on location at the Joan Crawford Mansion in Brentwood, California. When you see the it's all there's no sets. It's her mansion, Joan Crawford's mansion. We shot throughout the house and outside the yard, the back, the pool, everything about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful scenery. It's supposed to be the countryside of of London, of course, but that's that. And I made this picture thirty years ago, and I put it in the can. And the distribution deals that I was being offered were ridiculous because it was an art film and nobody really cared about it. And everybody said, you can't do Oscar Wilde with all black actors, actors of color, if we want to use that term. And Oscar Wilde's Irish and this is a British play and a comedy and satire. I said, well, I got a bunch of the finest African-American actors I could get all nominated for Tonys, Oscars and Emmys. And they're all terrific. And wait till you see the pep to play. Wait till you see the movie. Because it was beautifully acted and crafted and done. And it looks great. Shot in color and cost the costumes, the, the scenery, everything about the picture, the music. It's a, it's a world-class picture. And I made the picture for a million dollars then. So I just held on to it. And so I'll wait until I can get a distribution deal that's appropriate. And now when I see Charlotte and I see all these period pieces that are being done with people of color and everybody audience is accepting it and they love it. I'm like, okay, my movie. So now I'm unleashing and doing the world, my version of the influence of being earnest. So what was it like developing the, the film? Like, you know, putting it all together 30 years ago. It was easy. I just, I translated the play. I mean, the play, I got the copy of the play and then I wrote it for the screen. And Kurt Baker, God rest his soul, is gone now. And he he lived there. That's where he lived, in that house, in the John Crawford Mansion, he and his wife, Nancy. And I told them about it. They said, we were all friends. So I said, let's make a picture here at the house. Importance of being earnest. And they loved the idea. And the actors, we gave everybody the script and, and the role. And 
you know, great as as you see you when you see it. I'll send you the trailer and, and the movie itself. You can look at it. But when you actually you go on when you go online on the website, the importance of being com, you can actually see the trailer. There, the trailer is there. So yeah, it came out. It was a fun piece of work, and everybody, a few people I've shown it to, they all say, "Wow, this is incredible." incredible timely and wonderful yeah so we'll see i was gonna say now you're getting ready to have it premiered at several upcoming film festivals and then you had mentioned before we started you'll have it released at several art houses and then hopefully on streaming services for more people to watch is that right well and yeah we're gonna do uh new york of course philadelphia san francisco atlanta chicago los angeles so it'd be about five or six cities with the theatrical and then we'll go into certain lgbtq people they have a big film festival they want to they're anxious to get it because oscar wilde being the poster child of that you know the whole uh, universe so th- they want it so then it'll go then it'll be available uh, we're going to stream it in february on 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 my our network me and jay and and just yen so it'll premiere on yen and Amazon and Apple and all that. So it'll be streamed. But before then, we won't stream. I don't know we're going to stream it. We may only, we may not stream it then. We go, We want to try to get it to the theaters and get it out there. So we'll see. It'll go up in March, April, maybe. So everybody will get to see it. And we hope it'll do well. That's amazing. And that's, yeah. It's kind of a fun project. And, and it was just great doing it, you know. But as I said, what's the, you'll see the period pieces they do. They all have like the, it was Charlotte, and which I can't think of. The, they've got a bunch of period pieces. All you see are these English period pieces, and they got black people, all the you know all, uh, actors, and uh, finally, and it's great theater, and they're very successful. So yeah. that's why I've waited. I've waited now. Now people will take my picture seriously, and see that that it's it's done. And uh, again, the performances in my film are just just incredible, and it's hard. You got great actors with with uh, the Oscar Wilde great writing. It's hard not to make a decent film out of it, you know. Absolutely. Now, yeah. with this being kind of a groundbreaking film, in my in my opinion, at least, with with how you're doing this classic work, is there a message or a thought you're hoping the audiences take away from it? Yeah, the message. Well, actually, it's been stated before. It's. it's again, I just. I think I just said it. That play has never been out of production since 1895. Somewhere, Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain, the United States, Canada, every high school, everybody does the play. It's it's a G-rated, family-friendly, wonderful satire. <clears throat> so it's been done, and it continues to play all over the world. I don't know how many plays that are still running since 1895. All right, that's number one. Number two, to do it with great actors of color uh, gives people a perspective that great theater is every color it's multicolored. it's you mentioned that david merrick took a hit show with hello dolly it was done white with all those uh, great actors and actresses actors and then he did it when he did the black version it still went through the roof and that was back in the late 1960s so the, the point is great it's it's i'm excited because people will see oscar wilde when you write something great, it can be done by by anyone. It's like Shakespeare. There are many African troops or many Asian troops, companies, do Shakespeare. And it transcends 
culture and language and color. So I just wanted to prove the point that Oscar Wilde transcends with his satire, co color, and and everything else. So that's that's really kind of the point. I'm 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 going to make a version of the Little Foxes, and it'll be multicolored. That version, a contemporary version of Little Foxes, because Lillian Hellman is just a great, great playwright. So that's you know that's another piece that I'm contemplating at some point to do. I love that. That'll be a yeah, 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 absolutely. So what they did, they have a Shakespearean company where all the stuff was done by all women and make they made that work. I can't think of the name of the company, but I read about it. I didn't see it, but they do Shakespeare and, and it's all it's all women's acting troupe and they, they make that stuff work. So, yeah. yeah. So theater has evolved to the point where it's it's exciting and innovative and, and new and inclusive. Now, who do you hope have access to your film, The Importance of Being Earnest? Well, I think it's going to play very well in, in English-speaking countries like Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and throughout the United States. And I think there's a, a large audience of people who know Oscar Wilde that love theater, and there's a large Black audience that they love. They want to see Brock Peters and CCH Pounder and Chris Calloway, Oba Babatunde, Ren Brown. I mean, my my cast is just spectacular, and they're well known. So there's a, and I think black folks want to go see it. And they also there's a lot of people who just want to see nice theater, movies, art films. That they I don't have any helicopters crashing into the Empire State Building. I don't have any special effects, you know. And, and many many of the movies that are so popular now are like video game violence and all that. This is not that. This is. For, and kids from seven, eight years old, all the way up to grandpa and grandma can look at this picture with their family and enjoy it. switch things up now and let our listeners get a chance to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level i mean you have this historic incredible career i want to start by asking you what or who inspires you you know what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites the most important part of my life was even i was an athlete but while i was at the university of pennsylvania i used to go down to the Walnut Theater and see the pre-Broadway shows before they went to, but in those days you did tryouts in Philadelphia, New Haven, and then you, if it did okay and the, your backers liked it and they wanted to stick with it and you were able to get connections and get a theater, you didn't bring your piece to, to New York. So I used to go see shows that never, some made it to Broadway, some didn't. I remember I saw, I went to see Lillian Hellman piece. Little Foxes, Margaret Layton, and oh, I can't think of the other guy, the, guy, the male lead, well known. And then I saw, I used to see a lot of the, my first Roman with never made, I don't know if it made to Broadway or not. With anyway, so I used to go to the theater as a, because I loved it for some reason, as a break from the university and from sports. Then after my sports career was over, basketball at the University of Pennsylvania and all that, and, and, and playing in European pro ball. I got the fellowship to go to Yale Drama and study under Herman Krawitz, who 
uh, what he was Rudolph Bing's general manager. He produced all the operas at the Metropolitan Opera. In fact, it was Norma, a world premiere of the woman who starred in Norma, famous opera uh, opera performer at the Met. I, I can't think. Of, I'll think of her name in a moment. But anyway, we went to see all the dress rehearsals and how opera was produced. He was at uh, Herman was the uh, faculty advisor and teacher of management at Yale Drama School, which is what I majored in, from, you know, in, in the master's program. So I spent a lot of time at the Metropolitan Opera, learning to produce opera. So anyway, but then I got the job with Harry Belafonte as a writer, staff, producer, Belafonte Enterprises. And so we had a, show, a play, off-Broadway show called To Be Young, Gifted, and Black by Lorraine Hansberg. So we produced the national tour of that. And then when I was at Yale, we I was in theater management. We did John Guare's Musica. Actually, I acted in it with Henry Winkler. And then we did The Physicist. We did that. And that's when I acted in that, too. But I, I stage managed a lot of productions at, at Yale Drama, which was part of my job. So that was my exposure to theater on a big level at, at Yale. We did 66 productions on five stages back in 1969-70. But then, so that, that all, and then and when I was in Los Angeles, and I was six months in L.A., six months in New York at uh, 30 Rock, and then in Burbank when I was, I was vice president of NBC. I became vice president of NBC primetime drama. So I spent a lot of time in New York, so I used to go to see all the Broadway shows, and also my other, I, I Phantom of the Opera, my uh, Robert Guillaume, who starred in Benson, was a close friend of mine. And he did Phantom at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. So I it just, I always loved great Broadway shows and great theater, which I thought far more important and significant and exciting than television drama. Now I developed in Greenlit, Little House in the Prairie, Quincy Chips, Rock and File. I oversaw a lot of the all the primetime dramas on NBC primetime for seven years. So I, you know, I probably oversaw about five, 6,000 hours of television in my career there, but television wasn't the thing that excited me. I love theater, you know, and I still do. I, I walk into a theater and I just, my whole body gets excited, even on off-Broadway theater. But I went to a little small theater at Johns Hopkins to see the one woman show on Nina Simone, which I need you to hopefully interview Ron Beverly, I'm going to send you his coordinates, and he'll come, he'll come down to your studio wherever you do it, or you can do it like this at his apartment in New York. But Ron is somebody he love, and he and I said he has a play he wrote. Chaz commentary read his play, and I think it's Mirror Images, and that's you know him and and him and an African American woman living together in an apartment, and it's just chaotic and crazy. It's a wonderful piece of theater that they they committed to do. So that that's my background, I guess. I lived in Las Vegas for six years because I had arthritis from my athletic career days. I had to live in a warm climate and I had to have certain, I had a knee replaced and stuff like that. So Vegas was ideal, but so I saw a lot of the theater, the shows in Vegas on the stage. So I've been a, a fanatic for, I, I was in London. I remember I saw the Cuban, Cuban ballet in London and I said, God, I wish I could bring this troupe and produce it in New York, it would be fabulous, but they're Cuban, so couldn't do it with the embargo with Cuban. But what a what a piece of theater that Cuban ballet was. It wasn't ballet, ballet. It was just dancing and music and stuff. I mean, it was sort of like, 
well, anyway, it was just spectacular stuff. New York would love it, but they travel all over the world, but they can't come to New York because of, uh, you know, American politics. So that's that's kind of really, you know, what what I think about about theater and my career in theater, but television and then film. You know, I've been involved in a lot of motion pictures. My resume is fairly long. My I partnered with Freddie Fields and David Beagleman after at MGM after NBC. And we were at Columbia and then we went to MGM. Freddie Fields produced 14 movies from Poltergeist to Looking for Mr. Goodbar. And if you look up Freddie Fields and see his body of work. I worked on the Civil War, the picture that Freddie produced, 1991, called Glory with Denzel Washington. I was involved in designing the campaign, the marketing, worldwide marketing campaign. The film did very well in terms of the theatrical and Denzel nominated. In fact, yeah, he was nominated. And so that was a great experience. So I've been involved in a lot of, lot of terrific motion pictures and at studios and all that. So it's been a fun, you know, great career. I love it. It's, it's a show business. I'm still in it. And now I've evolved with, thanks to Jay and, and Justin, my guys, and we came up with Yen. And so now we're in the streaming distribution business, which really is going to give us a very powerful platform. Uh, I met And I met Jay through a very close friend of mine. We were classmates at the Phillips Exeter Academy, where I went to high school for one year after Jamaica High School. Granville Burgess, he's written some terrific Broadway shows, and he has a show that, that, that's called Common Ground, and it's President Lincoln and, and the great guy who was a, a leader in the, the Emancipation for Slaves. Anyway, it's a great play called Common Ground that we're going to be producing. And then we have another people Ron has written a comedy and the premise of the comedy, he'll tell you about it. It's about a wonderful senior citizen Jewish lady who lives in Brooklyn. She sells her brownstone in Brooklyn, decides she wants to move to Harlem. It's like 2000, the gentrification, and everybody's moving into the brownstones in Harlem. So she comes there with her son, who's in his 30s. He's not married, and she's on his case about getting married because she wants to be a grandmother. And they move into this beautiful brownstone, but there's that owned it and lived there all his life, and he won't move, he won't leave. So they're all, the three of them are there. She loves the guy. The guy loves her. They're friends. And the son can't stand the old black man down there. And they, they don't get on. And then he has an Asian girlfriend. And she wants him to get married to the Asian lady to have a baby. And she, you know, so then the Asian girl goes to California to be an actress. And then she comes back. It's just, it's a crazy play that is so funny about the guy who won't, he won't leave. He lives there. And they own the brownstone. So that's it. I've been doing that stuff and I have great stuff in development. I have theater in development. I have some movies that we want to do. We have a hit TV show that because of the strike, it hasn't been picked up yet, but it's going to get picked up. That Justin Brewer, our other partner, wrote, sort of like Billions, was to Wall Street, but it's about the NBA and, and what goes on. But it's not a basketball show. It's more about the power brokers of sports franchise ownership. And it's just brilliantly researched and written call the arena it's a prime time drama so they have cbs fox netflix everybody wants it so we're going to make the deal as soon as the strike is over and we're going to produce that show will be produced in atlanta so we've got a slate full of wonderful stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say, you've got a full plate that sounds amazing though Incredible. well i have jay and justin as we work hard well, oh. I do want to ask my favorite question real quick as we wind down. And just hearing the life you've led, 
I mean, I don't know how you'll pick one, but I could, again, I can listen to you go on and on, but what is your favorite theater memory? Well, it was at the public theater many years ago, 1968, 69 was one of them. It was called No Place to Be Somebody by Chuck Cordon. And Ron O'Neill, who played in Superfly, he co-starred in it. And it was just a great piece of theater. The Great White Hope, James Earl Jones, amazing piece of theater. The other piece of theater that I loved, so memorable, unforgettable, Meryl Streep. Wow, what was that show? God. I'll think of it in a minute, but there was a play in L.A. I saw Zoot Suit, but it came to New York and died. But I knew it was going to die in New York for some reason because it was so L.A. and Mexican. And, you know, New York is Puerto Rican and whatever. And the New Yorkers just didn't go for that L.A. historical Chicano stuff. But it was a terrific piece of theater in uh, Los Angeles. It did very well out there. I'm just trying to think. What's the? It's the religious play with the nun has the baby and all that. Uh, doubt, doubt. That's one of my other favorites. That was incredible. That's it. Yeah, doubt was great. I'm trying to look. Agnes of God was brilliant. Oh my God. I do want to ask one last question for our listeners. If our listeners want more information about your film. Or maybe about you. Maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? They can just go to theimportanceofbeingearnest.com, tell them about the movie. And then I, I'm just Peter Anthony Andrews. I'm all over the internet, I'm told. I'll tell you a lot about my life and times and who I am and what I've been doing for 50 years. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with us and share all this amazing insight. Thank you for telling tell everybody you know. My guest today has been the executive producer and co-screenwriter, Peter Andrews, whose upcoming film, The Importance of Being Earnest, will be premiering at several upcoming film festivals and art houses. So stay tuned. You'll be able to catch it very soon. And to get more information and to see the trailer, Head on over to the importance of being earnest.com right now. This is a great version of this film. I am so excited to be seeing it. I know you will be excited to see it. It's a classic tale, but the way it's being done in Peter's vision is amazing. So make sure you head up <laughs> to the importance of being earnest.com. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town met in a foreign land. One sang the praises of Cape. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.